everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Cybersecurity Chronicles. I'm Sean Mahoney, and today I have Stanley Lee and Michael Lassiter. Today we're going to try to answer some of the frequently asked questions related to the topics of the, the topics of the last two podcasts of penetration testing. So, gentlemen, in my role, oftentimes I get asked by customers. Uh, many times non-technical people, sometimes technical people, about the pen tests and what we do. So, Michael, one of the questions I get is, how do I know a pen test is effective, that you actually found vulnerabilities in our network? By the way of, of how the vulnerabilities were exploited, and if inapplicable, if there was any post-exploitation that happened, after the initial exploitation, your post-exploitation is proof at that point. Because now you're able to show, this is what I can do with your default admin credential. This is what I'm able to do with the vulnerability you have right now. I'm able to go beyond what I shouldn't be able to do. So the post-exploitation is usually the burden of proof. You, you can't deny it at that point. Okay. And Stanley... How do I set the goals of the pen test? And will you make recommendations for the business? Sorry, I, Sean, you know, I missed the British accent. Where's James? <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, the, goal, the goal of a pen test is really to try to look for the unknowns. I keep using this phase, known the unknown. And a lot of people already know that there is a lot of gray area, dark area within the network, which they cannot you know, do, uh, they cannot find with the regular vulnerability assessment. So the only thing that looking for the behavioral type of uh, holes and gaps are using, the, the way to do it is using pen tests or, or behavioral analytic types of tool, which both of them used to be out of reach for most of the SME environment because of the, you know, just the scarcity of those type of tools or manual or human processes. So not until recently that there are more, auto, more automated fashion to do it, to make it more cost effective for most business to do. So, of course, from our perspective is the costs and benefit that justify to making sure that we're trying to find those holes and gaps within the network environment. So what I make what is the recommendations that I would make? Yeah, 15 years ago we started with vulnerability assessment. I see the same pattern coming back again with penetration tests. Um, it used to be a very manual intensive process. Only a handful of people know how to do it and do it right without crashing the whole network or the production environment. Now there are more tools available to do it semi-automatically in the pen test area. So this is where I would recommend people to start um, putting some budget and look into the different pen tests to see what is good for them. Of course, there are you know, minimally five different type of pen testers. So they should pick the right one and start working on the budget around it and 
and look through the different offering from the different vendors. And because it's still relatively new to the SME environment, as I said, because of the cost and benefit issues. So it, it requires a little bit more time for them to digest at this point. So, Stanley, you talk about an automated. You talk about an automated tool. Um, automated tools. How can we trust them? Software often has issues. So why should I trust an automated tool? Yeah, I, I, you you shouldn't trust it hundred percent. I think that you just like any IT. You know, I've been working on this what thirty years coming now in this industry. You know, do you ever trust any? All the IT tools, no. To me, the answer is no. I always have that curiosity, inquisitive mind that you mentioned, Sean, a few podcasts ago, and which is an interesting part. And that keeps me going. And I think that's what keep Michael and you know our team keep looking for things to either improving it or find a better way to do it. Would we ever trust it and and rely on it hundred percent? Well, we're not a health medical equipment type of tool. And, <laughs> you know, so we, our life is not going to rely on it. However, you know, there are people relying their life on IT. So what we do is we have to keep looking forward to see how to find ways in the business side is to bring the cost down, bring the risk down. And also to scale it to the point that it can pass it on to everybody else. From the technical side, I let Michael talk a little bit more about it. But in the in the technical side, from you know the business guy looking at the technology, that yeah, we utilize it as a tool. It's always going to be a tool. It's just like a contractor. You know, you it'd be more effective if you have the right tool, like a plumber or electrician. And as I said, you know, when I was a telecom guy, you know, we have one tool just to twist the wires onto those um, 66 blocks to make it faster, to make it better. But do you just rely on the tool? No, you don't. Um, That is why the human aspect of things, why we, you know, looking from the managed service rather than just everything automated. And that's, you know, the service part of the human touch part is what our customer has been looking to us for, not okay. just the tool itself. So, Michael, if if a client needs to meet some standard of compliance, PCI, DSS, or HIPAA, do they need a white, black, or gray box test to meet the compliance? Do they need one of those shades to meet the compliance standards? There is an requirement to have black, over over gray or white um compliance doesn't really require a specific uh approach to the pen test as long as the pen test is completed now i will say some organizations may favor one over the other depending on their size um if if you have a you can have a big organization one of the top 10 or top five of, of a very particular industry they may want a black hat type of approach because they have such a large presence that they want to see what a black hat could potentially do with what could be gathered. So it really depends on the desire, but for compliance sake, there isn't one favorite or the other. 
Yeah, and add a little bit more on top of that, Sean and Michael, about the compliance, in particular PCI DSS. And, and, you know, they, they recommended a pen test, including like, uh, uh, social behavior, uh, I'm sorry, social engineering, you know, and, and, and wireless, you know, penetrations and, and, and some of the verbiage that their recommendations also touch on to source code reviews. So these are the gray area, you know, Michael and I keep talking about, you know, it's for a lot of people that who are not in this field and try to look for a penetration service provider or even automation tools, that those are the gaps and the gray area they need to be really careful because then, you know, most of those compliance or regulations, they just recommend you like an NIST in in the 800-53, you know, revision four. <laughs> they, they're talking about security assessments, you know, a lot of area that they're talking about assessment and they're recommending to do this type of, you know, penetration tests or vulnerability scanning. They, it, it, of course, in their position, it's very hard to exactly tell you who to get and what to get. So it's up to the decision maker has to go through that process and comparing um, RFPs or, or comparing quotations to get to what they really need. And sometimes that the first question is, what do they really need to satisfy those compliance? They might, you know, the decision makers might already have uh, stumble upon that question already. What do we really need when they look through this compliance and requirements? And what do we need to look for from the pen tester service provider? And that's the area that they, you know, my recommendation is they really need to spend the time just to compare a few quotes, see what they the vendors are offering and to satisfy that and they are gray area and the way that the best way for me to handle is we will give you this we are not going to include this that is to make it clarify that these are the things that we are not going to include in our pen testing and then you know because of vulnerability scanning we talked about that earlier in our previous podcast the vulnerability scanning people using it as disguising it as a pen testing and a lot of people still having um, difficulty to clarify those two so that's why we we are you know talking about this on the podcast it's the that these subtlety that causing big problem to our industry and frustrating a lot of decision makers. And they keep throwing these compliance and regulatory keywords to attract those customers. And that's what they need to really pay attention to. Thanks, Stanley. Michael, when you when we send the pen test to the customer, what are they supposed to do with it? Well, generally speaking, they should follow the uh, recommendations that are in the report. And depending on what was already prearranged, such as a retest, you know, so they should um, apply the mitigations and then prepare for a retest to address if they properly address the findings that were the initial report. How, how long should they take to do those remediations? 
that's, that's it's usually on them for as the window of time they feel comfortable comfortable with uh the average time i've seen for a retest could be two weeks you know two weeks a little bit two or three weeks depending on how fast they can do it but generally speaking enough time for the other team to get together and work with the infosec team apply the mitigations and then come back and prepare for a retest because if the retest is too soon the retest loses its value at that point so stanley with the re- the remediations that would have to be done should the customer do them or will you do them I, good question. Actually, this is, you know, Michael can help me with this from the technical aspect of things, because that is when we get to, you know, the decision, make the, deci- make the decision who to pick. But and then it also going into the sack up teams to how do they handle those remediations, because some of them might not have the full staff um, to handle those and it might be beyond their capability and so, Michael, do you see that usually? Do you handle those, or do you give after you give the recommendations, the remediation recommendation? Do you take care of those vulnerabilities for your clients, for our clients in the past? That's, that's not that's not the case. It's it's a client's responsibility to um, to apply the mediations, um, but um, the pen tester could be on standby you know, for input, uh, maybe in more detail in regards to the remediations themselves, but it's usually the client's responsibility to apply the mediations. Because here's the reason why. If if the if 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 the if the pen tester does remediation, then that already makes the retest non applicable. So it's the client's responsibility to apply the mitigations. So therefore, the retest actually makes sense. Usually, the pen test doesn't cross boundaries like that. So then that's going to answer the other questions that we get sometimes is, you know, how do we know the vulns found in the pen test are corrected properly? And that retest is going to verify that or at least oh. expose those that weren't done correctly. Yes, the, the, re, the retest can, can verify if, if the findings were, were fixed properly or if they were on the right track, but something was missed. And the retest can, can state um, something that's small that, that was overlooked. And the finding um, a, a good example is um, insecure cipher, where there's a lack of a TLS 1.2. And let's say I find I find something and it comes back and it's still showing that they're using TLS 1.0. But somehow they fixed it so that TLS 1.1 is not there anymore. So that's a partial fix. They fixed one cipher suite but then they still have the weaker one that's still there. So a retest can show if something was missed so they can go back and fix it properly. Great. The last question um, that we get sometimes is in the, in the world of supply chain and vendor customer relationships, people are trying to improve that supply chain trust 
and reliability that you're not going to be the weak, weak link in security. And so one question we get is, hey, my, my customer, my vendor is asking to see my latest pen test report. Can I share this with them? And should I? That's so Stanley and Michael, I'll leave it up to either one of you to answer that question. That's usually ahead, a no. That's usually a no. Um, Is it a big that, no? That, capital no. That's a that's a that that's a big no. Um, I will say, I will say, although that's a big no, um, what what could be shared is something on the range of here's a here's a sample because of, of our pen test methodology, because at the end of the day, that's what the client is looking for. They want to see your steps from basically from beginning to end. And they want to see what a finding looks like and they want to see what mitigation would appear to be. They just want to have an example. So without exposing another client's vulnerabilities, a sample report can be made or at least something can be generated Wait, here's an example of how we test from scoping all the way down to deliverables. Okay. Stanley, anything to add to that? Nope. I think that Michael covered it. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, from from the business standpoint of view, we, you know, we try to stay out of this type of question because they might be posting conflict of interest as well. So that's why from my perspective, of course, we always respect the client's decisions and what how much they want to share. And this is critical to make sure that, you know, the client has their data privacy right. Um, so I would usually, you know, advise my team to keep their mouth shut in these type of cases <laughs> until that's being requested. And of course, Michael answered it in a much better way than I did. <laughs> Okay, like, like as a as an example, if if I was to if I was to bring a previous pen test that I did, you know, I pen tested one time for a very well known gas company. So, I wouldn't dare mention their name, but I do know the vulnerability that I found, and it's still in my head. You know, it was type of vulnerability where, well, let's say James, you want to apply for a credit card, I could steal your credentials, and I know what your account is. Um, but without exposing the client's name, I could say, well, the URL was www.hackyourcreditcard.com. And, you know, and that could be a, like a fictitious, you know, client in a report, but the report will show these are the mm-hmm. steps that were committed and executed to find vulnerabilities, such and such. All right. Well, great. That's about all the time we have today. This is the latest edition of Cybersecurity Chronicles. Thanks for listening today. And if you want to find out more about NetSwitch, you can visit us at www.netswitch.net. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.